Hello and welcome. This is another edition of the eFolder Channel Chat Podcast. This is your host, Ted Holsey, Vice President of Marketing at eFolder. Uh, today we are joined, this is episode 20, and we are joined by Liz Riley, Vice President of Sales and Marketing at Winexnet. Um, Winexnet is headquartered in Portland, Maine. Liz, welcome to today's conversation. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. So uh, we just recently met um, at the HTG um, Shark Tank event, uh, which was a marketing competition that you won handily, I might add, but uh, you won first place. So congratulations on that. But And we'll get into that in a second. Um, but why don't you start out by telling us a little bit about WinXNet and your role there? Sure, sure. So um, we are a you know traditional managed services partner headquartered in Portland, Maine. We also have offices in Methuen, Massachusetts, and Chattanooga, Tennessee. We were established in 1999 um, as a pretty much a break fix company by Chris Claudio and Mike Williams. And you know over the you know past 17 years, they've we've really undergone a transformation starting in about 2005 to really focusing on recurring predictable managed services for the small and medium-sized businesses. So we provide, um, you know, obviously like everybody, every partner who has to understand technology, a variety of services there, um, uh, focusing mainly on infrastructure, recurring infrastructure support needs. We also have some lines of business that can support the technology needs of our partners specifically, um, uh, security, healthcare, uh, and compliance needs accounting solutions needs and um, application needs as well. So we have uh, a pretty robust group of technologists and engineers that help support our partners across the eastern half of the United States. It's been pretty great. And my uh, role to that end is to manage the sales and marketing team. Uh, we have a team of nine account managers, inside sales reps, um, and a marketing manager. And we have a big book of business that we make sure that we're selling um, and supporting our suite of services to ensure the most productive environments for our customers. Excellent. So um, and we met uh, in Phoenix just a couple weeks back um, where uh, you won the uh, HDG Shark Tank marketing competition with the best plan for 17. Um, why don't you, for our listeners, tell us a little bit about um, the plan you put together um, and uh, – you know what you're going to do with the twenty five thousand uh, dollars that you won on behalf of your company. Sure, sure, and uh, it was a it was an awesome exercise, and um, I have to give uh, our president and co-founder Mike Williams credit because he made me apply. He made me send our plan in. Um, I didn't I didn't want to. My my marketing manager Suzanne Murphy. It really wasn't on our radar. I had never actually been to an HTG meeting before. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm pumped now that I can take part in it. It was my first time going to a meeting when I was down in Phoenix, um, and it was and I just found it to be a really awesome exchange of ideas. So when we we pulled, we already had had our marketing plan done for 2017 um, for you know quite some time when we applied for the the Shark Tank competition. So we didn't I didn't feel like we had any wild and crazy new ideas. We didn't want to do anything different. We had been experimenting with search engine optimization for the past year, and we're ready to kind of hone in on, on the specific keywords that we wanted. Um, we had also spent the last year really identifying our products and our line card for within our managed services customers. Um, I knew I wanted some more video content creation, so I put in a line for that. And I knew that we had also been neglecting to do some 
you know, straight up customer appreciation events um, for a lot of our managed services customers because a lot of our, our existing business comes from our existing customers who, who need continuous work um, with the changing technology landscape um, and just evolving needs. Um, and then I also had wanted to do a little bit more with our vendors from a lead gen perspective because we've got some pretty cool um, and very responsive vendors that we work with uh, to support our customers. So we pulled together a plan that um, kind of uh, just capitalized on the, the, the uh, planning that we had already put into place and really focused on increasing our search engine optimization spend, increasing, um, uh, allocating a little money for some video content creation, um, putting on some client appreciation events, and then working closely with our vendors for some lead gen events. And uh, to that end, we put together a plan that involved the first, we, we kicked it off a couple weeks ago in February, um, basically doing an intangible campaign from February through June, uh, where we would really, we targeted, we picked our specific, um, prospects and our customers and we're doing a prospect email campaign and an existing customer campaign um, and basically using you know we will obviously want to get a meeting with these guys uh, with our prospects uh, so the narrative is meet with us we can help you lower your IT costs uh, and then the narrative with our existing customer base is um, meet with us, you need XYZ. You need a better backup solution. You need a better antivirus solution. You need a HIPAA risk analysis. Um, you know, because we, we have uh, an existing line card within our two managed services products of everything that those customers should be doing within those. So based upon our planning and the customers and the data that we already had in ConnectWise, I felt pretty confident that we had an organized message to go to two specific groups. So um, it wasn't very flashy, it wasn't very exciting, but uh, I've got a pretty organized and very um, talented group of account executives and account managers who utilize the ConnectWise activities to um, just do their job and, and hammer home that narrative and get in front of our customers. So I'm pretty excited. I was excited to, it was great um, for WinXNet and I really, the reason why we're so organized is because over the past year and a half, our company as a whole has made it a point to get more organized. Made it a point to get organized about who our target market is, what our deliverables are of our services, like really creating repeatable, scalable products for our managed services, making these intangible products tangible, um, and then just activating on that. Um, and I'm, I'm just really excited for this first phase through June um, to kind of blanket the airwaves um, via email and our increased SEO spends and our increased social media focus uh, to really see what pays off in the fourth quarter which is when we'll kind of um, make those things tangible um, with some hand-delivered Christmas gifts, um, some specific targeted prospect gifts, and just and, and ratcheting up the, the touch level to kind of feed off of all of the work that we're doing um, this winter and spring. I'm really excited about it. Well, I, I think um, you really made, obviously, a big impression with the judges. I was uh, lucky enough to be able to be one of the judges on the, the shark the, the panel. Um, you know, I think you used a term during the competition, which you didn't just use, but I think you said you called it an augmentation campaign. Um, can yeah. you, do you remember, do you remember saying that? And I'm looking that, at that this. Made an yeah. That made an impression with me and I'll explain why, but, but tell me what you meant by that. Yeah. Cause like I said, we already had our 2017 campaign, 
um, identified that had these elements in it. Uh, the only kind of new thing I added was the were you know were the client appreciation events and the video content creation. Um, but I'm looking at that. I have it taped up in my office and I've sent it around to the entire company. Um, and I'm going to do that continually, probably monthly with them, because I think the, the best marketing campaign is the one that everybody knows about, in, internal and external. And um, I'm looking at it now, and it's a campaign augmentation plan. Because like I said, I, we had it, so I just wanted to capitalize on the stronger pieces of that. And that's what I thought. That's why I thought the best we could use that $25,000. It's not because it's not our money. So I really want to make sure that we can prove that we used it wisely. Yeah, and I think that's, I mean, that was clearly a big observation I had. Um, you had some tough competition up there on the stage, but there were clearly a, a handful of MSPs on stage who, who were bringing some great ideas to the table, but you could tell this was the first time they were <laughs> talking about these plans or uh, first time they were on stage trying to defend them, and it showed. And I think the, um, you know, I've been doing you know, sponsoring MDF for uh, with partners for over a decade, and you really have to uh, <laughs> you really have to uh, um, really boil boil away the fluff and and know who's faking it and who's really um, executing a solid plan and who's got the chops to really execute well. And I think coming to a competition where a lot of people think it's going to be razzle dazzle and some brilliant idea that's going to win the day. Versus, hey, I'm going to take this money and I'm going to spend it wisely and we're going to get business results by augmenting what we're already doing. Just puts you like, just put you like head and shoulders above the competition because um, as a vendor who's approving MDF dollars uh, every day, that's what you want to see is you want to see the repetition. You want to see the solid experience. You want to see the solid execution. You want to see a written plan and you don't want to see razzle dazzle. Um, that's kind of my, the thing that really impressed me is, hey, this is money. We're going to layer right on top, and we're going to augment what we already do extremely well. Yeah, yeah. I, razzle dazzle has never been any way that I've ever been described. So um, it, it worked very, very well um, that we have a very, you know, I, I want it to be boring. I want our product to be, I know this sounds really um really odd to say, but I want our, our managed services product to be boring. I don't want anyone to notice it. Um, because the, the biggest thing that I've noticed, and, and we've talked previously, I'm not of a technical background. Um, I've been an end user on the other side, um, out there in you know the wild world, um, pr gaining service from other managed services providers. And the worst part is when you notice that you have um, that you that you have a provider. So I want our product to be structured in such a way with deliverables that just work, and they work in the background, and they make your computing life as easy as possible. Um, because even when you do that, there's still problems that that arise that are end users. Because um, that you know, anytime you involve people in technology, there's going to be there are going to be support needs. So I, our, the goal with our products, our managed services products, is to make them as quiet and as repeatable and as automated as possible. Right. And the, another thing you, I think, impressed me and the other judges with um, in the competition was connecting everything you were doing back to sales. Um, it was first, it was great to see a leader up on stage who was wearing both the sales and the marketing hat, but I really liked how you... Um, you know, connected everything back to actionable things that the prospect or the client takes and then actions your salespeople can take. Can you talk a little bit more about your thinking on that? 
Sure. I in um I am kind of I oversee both the sales and the marketing side and I have seen people who have sales and marketing separate and I don't I don't feel as though I have enough um, industry experience to say what's the best fit, but I know for a company of our size, which is about a hundred and you or a hundred employees, um, is that it makes perfect sense to have um, to have sales and marketing together, um, and kind of the responsibility, the oversight responsibility being with one person because the two of them are so connected. I'm responsible for not only getting the leads, but then also following up on them and quoting them correctly. So I just I I like that they're that they work together because I think so often the two can chafe um, and what marketing is talking about isn't the same thing that sales is talking about and there's no with with our kind of model with it being under one roof there's no there's no question about what we're taking to our customers the message is unified about what tools they should be purchasing and what services they should be purchasing um, and then as far as you know tying back to actions I'm we I've been working really really hard with my sales team much to their annoyance sometimes, to really make everything an activity-driven number. Not because I don't trust them. I have the most trust in the world with my team. They're tremendous. They show up every day and put their heart and soul into everything, which is, you know, regardless of if you're a sales organization, you call yourself a sales organization or an account management organization, there's a lot of rejection in what we do. So to come in every day and pour all of yourself into it is, is pretty incredible. Um, but I don't, I don't have an activity-based um, metrics for them because I don't trust them, but because if I... If I can't see what they're spending every day doing, how many calls they've made, how many on-site meetings they've conducted, um, how many proposals they've presented, then I can't I can't pick them up if they start to fall, um, or I can't see problems where they arise. Um, we have a weekly sales meeting. We're following the EOS model, so we have a weekly L10 and our scorecard which um, I'm happy to share with the other HTG partners um, if they're struggling with it, because that was the hardest part to define, are, the, are basically the weekly numbers I want my team to report back to me on. Um, and we really tied back all of their efforts over the week to um, how many meetings do you have per week, how many check-ins did you make with your prospects, how many check-ins did you make with your clients, how many managed services proposals did you present, and how many project proposals did you present? Um, because we found that those five activities not only helps protect their time from the other minutiae that can come up, invoice, ref, you know, reviews, all the kind of stuff that just pops up, um, but it helps drive results. So statistically speaking, if they make enough follow-ups and check-ins with folks and conduct enough meetings, they will be successful. So all of the campaign augmentation pieces that we did can drive back to the activity results, um, the activity-based numbers and the metrics they have to report on weekly. Because I want them to be successful. That's why you have metrics in the first place. It's not to serve as a big brother or anything. It's just to make sure that the stuff that your people are doing every day while they're away from their families is the most valuable element of their job. Now, let's, for our, for our listeners' benefit, uh, I'm taking notes here, but I just want to make sure we got that down. The five uh, key buckets of metrics were meetings, proposals, follow-ups, and check-ins. What I'm missing one. Um, yeah, I think that uh, basically, on, you know, on-site sales meetings, um, proposals, managed services proposals presented, project proposals presented, met, um, presented, and then check-ins with clients and check-ins with prospects. So we want to make sure that they're they're following up to get a meeting with a prospect, because it's a very different narrative, whether it's a prospect or, or a customer, right? right. So we, we measure those check-ins separately. 
Um, so you can take notes, and, and folks can record those. Know that, full disclosure, I'm kind of looking at, I'm eyeing that scorecard pretty much on a daily basis, being like, is that right? Should I change it? Should I tweak it? So that's just kind of where we landed rather than trying to be perfect. But that's pretty much where we're at now. I might tweak it. We have a EOS check-in in April, so I might take a peek at what the leadership team needs to see and um you know, if we change our our scorecard metrics, then we would uh, maybe tweak the sales team's metrics so I can make sure that they're, we're in alignment. But that's where now, we're at and, right now. And how do you, um, just from a, uh, everybody always loves to hear about the software tools that, that undergird everything we do, uh, how do you, what's the tool where all of this activity is tracked, and then how do you report on it from a dashboard perspective and that sort of thing? Sure. That, I'll be completely honest with you, we don't have perfect yet, but our, our, our CRM tool is ConnectWise, so mm -hmm. all of our activities are in ConnectWise, and ConnectWise, I, I it's not, um, it's not like totally perfect, obviously, because any any perfect tool is customized for your exact needs. But I have found a lot of their reports to be helpful, specifically the activity points report. Mm -hmm. So uh, since I identified the activities in ConnectWise, um, and you can edit those, I think, through the setup tables location. Um, and uh, I, you know, I made sure my activity types were matching what the types I had in the scorecard. And then in ConnectWise, I ranked each one of those activities. So I made, obviously, an on-site meeting to be worth more than a check-in. I made a proposal presented to be worth more than a check-in. Um, and, and the reason why I said check-in and not phone call and email is because even though a phone call can be more immediate, I wanted to, I didn't want to break it out too, too much. So I count phone calls and emails as the same right now mm -hmm. um, because we certainly have some clients who would prefer an email over a phone call and vice versa. So I didn't want to split hairs there. Um, but I ranked each one of those activity types to get myself down to an average number, which I'm still trying to work out what the correct number should be. Um, but I, I really like that activity points report because I can pull it whenever I want, and mm -hmm. I can see up to date kind of the the volume of activity that's going on with my team. And so not only can I see the specific activity, but I can see what their total number is for that week. So once I one of my goals this quarter, one of my rocks this quarter, is to hone those um, weighted activity types into an average number that my team. Um, should hit. So I can look across the board and say, you know, if um, Denise is at 250 and she should be at 300, you know, and it's already Thursday, we got a little bit of a problem here. Um, right. So I really like the activity points report. We're also using Bright Gauge right now and are very close to having the um, leadership team gauge for, for our L10 meeting and then the sales team gauge um, complete. So it would be great to when that is done, we'll have a live dashboard that's pulling the data straight from ConnectWise, which would be awesome. We are not complete with that. I know, um, I think I was listening to some of the other podcasts here, and Nate Austin at MyTech, they use BrightGage very successfully. So I'm actually hoping to steal that idea from them, if possible, and get the <laughs> and get our reporting into BrightGage. It's just more visually appealing, and I think I think we'll set up my sales team to have a really good visual of what their activities do to their numbers each week so they can kind of see their success. I think people are far more um, motivated when they can see the needle moving and that I think BrightGage is going to be a, a great help with that. Awesome. Let's, let's, let's change gears and talk a little bit about what your folks are selling day in, day out. 
Um, you and I had a chance to, to kind of compare notes a little bit, and we were talking about the early days of uh, WinXNet's uh, kind of product portfolio. Um, can you talk about what it was like when you kind of started with the company and, and how that's evolved and, ha and what you've been trying to do there with kind of crystallizing and, and making more specific exactly what uh, your account managers, for instance, would sell to an existing customer? Sure. So when I started three years ago, I, I joined uh, WinXNet in 2014, and they had just kind of, they were just tailing off from um, a pretty robust uh, couple of years of really organic growth. Um, and that, you know, they had just a great company with a ton of integrity, um, always would do right by the customer, would bend over backwards um, to meet their needs or whatever may have happened, um, and just worked really, really hard for everybody. And I saw a lot of people working really, really hard, um, and at various times, you know, if there was a, an outage or anything, very, very hard. Um, and, I, and I remember joining, and I'm like, I don't actually know what we sell. Yeah, I don't. What what is? We had two managed services, all in and and per device is what they were called, and all in was essentially the all you can eat model of support um, for for end users. Um, all in was a little bit tricky though because it didn't include say you know your SharePoint server went down or your SharePoint site went down. We weren't going to fix your SharePoint site. It didn't include application support. It was really just for infrastructure support. So we had, you know, and, and it would vary client to client depending upon what they needed at the time when they met with WinXNet. Now, we'd been in business for a really long time, so we actually knew what they needed if they had X number of people um, or if they had X number of people and a director of IT who was overwhelmed with the minutia of just the day-to-day -day support that an environment can, can, can have uh, or can need. So... Um, probably about a year and a half ago, I sat down with Mike Williams and um, our, you know, Steve Martell, our VP of Service Operations, and Jeff Young, our Director of Managed Services, and we were like, okay, we got, we've got basically two flavors of day-to-day -day support. Let's turn this into a product that we know our customers need and set some ground rules because basically up to that point, everything was an exception. So we... Um, it took a lot longer than I thought, to be honest with you. I was like, this is so easy. Like, we know exactly what they need to do. Let's just get it down on paper. <laughs> it's so obvious. How, how long could this take <laughs> Let's us? Let's get it down on paper. And it's funny because once, once you start writing down the ideas and you get people around, you know, Jeff had, uh, you know, some scenarios of support that he had experienced that I didn't know about. And Mike would have clarification points in the language that we would want to have. And I feel like it's always going to be an iterative process and it's always going to need to have a certain amount of review for what your products are um, as, as the landscape changes. So, so basically after about six months of, of discussing um, what the level of day-to-day -day support should be, we ended up with two distinct products. And these products are basically, um, I, I really did like this exercise because my background is in, believe it or not, minor league baseball, where you basically are selling summer. So you're selling an idea and a feeling. And I liked the idea of taking a lot of um, disparate parts. So, um, you know, we, you, you actually you have physical, tangible tools. You have your antivirus. You have your anti-spam, all of these pieces. But then you also have items like account management and response time, things that aren't really tangible and you can't put your arms around and you can't, you know, put in a box and sell the same every time. So I liked the idea of taking all of the elements of support that were needed and putting them into into one one kind of package that we could just take to customers and say, here, this is what you need. Um, and then, you know, customize off of those rules. So we ended up with two distinct uh, 
levels of support. Premier Care, which was what we renamed the um, All In to alleviate any, you know, thinking that All In also included like a foot massage um, in addition to the other infrastructure support. And then Select Care, so selected devices. Um, and we basically priced out Premier Care to be a per user cost, and it included all of the tools we knew they needed in that per user cost in order to keep um, the risk in the environment as low as possible. Because if it was Premier Care, that risk was all on WinXNet because it was a you know month predictable monthly price. So whether or not they had a server blow up or a firewall blow up, our cost was going to be the same. Select care uh, was perfect. We, we, we tailored that to be available for um, organizations that might have a, a savvy IT professional on staff um, who's just getting buried in the minutia of, of managing an IT environment. So we would provide our RMM tool uh, to select devices and take care of the remote monitoring and maintenance, take care of the patching. Um, and take care of you know just the day to day. Give you a technical account, a, te a technical resource. Give you an account manager. Give you an SLA so you know you have a response time. But anything that you needed under Select Care that was above Tier One, um, so you would get help desk with that. But if that needed to be escalated, um, that would be billable. Um, and the reason for that was the folks who are really needed Select Care already had someone on staff who could handle those escalations. They didn't want to deal with the password resets. They didn't want to deal with the printing issues. But if there was a firewall issue or a server issue, um, they could likely handle it or at least have the peace of mind to know that we were available to help them with that. So we boiled down you know, basically 16 years of experience into these two flavors of support and set, set, and set those rules. So all of the we said our, we confirmed our tools within each of those. We confirmed the rules that if you are, you know, such as if you're a Premier Care, you you've got to take our server recommendations. You've got to take our hardware recommendations. You've got to replace end of life devices in there, um, with the express purpose of mitigating risk and maintaining low cost support. Um, and what I love about Premier Care and what we're really trying to hone in on is the ability to actually lower the per user cost over time. So if you take our recommendations and you are a responsive, you know, IT consumer, um, we will lower your per user cost, ideally, um, by making sure that you have best-in-class tools, the most up-to-date hardware, um, and some kind of a plan in place that you're, action, you're, you're executing against in order to lower your risk. Because the name of the game in, in IT isn't to eliminate risk, that's impossible, but it's just to mitigate it um, and manage it as best as we can. So it was, we, we, you know, developing those two flavors of support, I think, has really been key to communicating with clients more clearly um, and, and eventually, you know, obviously more successfully with the execution of our 2017 marketing plan. So that's the, that was the goal. And then with select care, though, I, I guess I'm just guessing here, but but that must mean that there's lots of different flavors of select care. There's some things that might be about the workstations and servers. There must be others about network and and security and that sort of thing. Is that true? Yeah, uh, pretty much. We basically took all of the devices that could be in an environment and priced those devices accordingly. Gotcha. Based upon are are they mission critical in nature? Uh, how much traffic do they typically? Uh, receive how how much um, wear and tear do they have? So you could have select care on just your servers, or you could have select care on just your firewalls. You don't have to. That's the beauty of it. You know, it depends upon. It, it can really be tailored to the um, 
technical strength of each of each environment that they have. So if they've got a really great firewall guy, but they don't even want to deal with the servers, we can handle that with Select Care. It's basically, it's literally per device. But it, it, it also creates an opportunity over time. I, I think I remember you saying you hate the terms upsell, but yeah. uh, for the sake of clarity, <laughs> for the sake of clarity, if you have a client that uh, you know might have a handful of different Select Care services in place, Real, the reality of their world may change. They may lose their firewall guy, or yep. or they may have a security incident, and they they realize they need to invest more. Is that what your account managers are doing to a set be, be in a dialogue with your existing customers to find out where additional Select Care services can be inserted? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And you can also, you know, Select Care doesn't since we're not owning um, the risk in the environment um, because the escalated events are would be billable and handled by that IT savvy internal resource. Um, the pricing on Select Care doesn't include things like antivirus or anti-spam on these machines because again we're assuming that there's a, a technical person in-house who who has those in place already. Um, but it's always it's very easy to add on as a line item uh, to the Select Care support. And you know, as such a large customer with a clearly defined tool set for a lot of these vendors, we get very very good pricing. So we always, you know, make sure that our clients know that we are here for an advocate for you regardless of how things change and know that, you know, how they change, we have something in place that can pick up that weakness for you um, and try to do that in as, as a cost-effective uh, and risk-averse way as possible. And I guess another byproduct of having the select care type approach is that you know, a new client acquisition doesn't need to be an all-or-nothing affair, mm -hmm. um, and that probably means that you probably maybe think about some of these uh, services as wedges mm -hmm. to get into an account. What, what's the what's the hottest wedge right now? I mean, what's the what's what, wh where are you finding new accounts, and where is there acute pain where you're able to pick up new clients? I think we've done quite a few select care um, agreements just uh, on on specific devices. You know, for people who aren't quite sure what they need, but they know this is a particular weakness, and it's you know, okay, let's let's start here and see how we can help you, and at least we can alleviate this pain point. Um, and so I think Select Care is is a decent quote unquote wedge um, or introductory service to show people you know the support that we can bring, and then honestly, top of mind with everyone is um, security. So mm -hmm. we have a security uh, arm; they're one of our line of businesses, and we have a managed security product. So um, something as simple as a vulnerability assessment um, has been very effective as an introductory one-time product, one-time project for um, some of our prospects who might be concerned about their exposure. Um, so a managed security service has been um, very, very enticing to some of our prospects. Um, and for those of them that are in the healthcare space, a HIPAA risk assessment um, that our healthcare IT team can do, again, to assess any kind of vulnerabilities that they may have. But you, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. Uh, a good entry point and kind of dipping your toe in the water, so to speak, is that select care agreement um, for those specific services. But again, if they don't have an um, internal IT person who can handle those escalations, that coverage would become very expensive for that client. So if they don't have somebody in-house who's prepared to handle that as a part of their day-to-day -day job, we won't recommend it. We, we would recommend a, a premier care agreement um, because that would be really undue risk to set the customer up to expect. Um, so as far as, you know, a wedge 
I don't know why I'm so uncomfortable with the terms upsell and you know wedge product. <laughs> I didn't know I, I didn't know I, feels, I used another no go term. I know. But sorry about I that. think because it feels so it feels so invasive, <laughs> and a lot of what we're what we try to do a lot of what we try to do is uh, really introduce our customers and prospects into another way of thinking about their IT environments. I think so many customers, and I'm sure other um, managed services providers can can feel this pain, just kind of assume that they have to worry about it. Um, they don't, they're so worried, it's so mission critical to their organization, they're fearful of handing over the ownership of, of IT. And you can, I mean, anybody can Google the cost of a switch. Anybody can, you know, kind of get on the internet and sleuth around and find a variety of prices. So it's very, very hard for customers and prospects to feel like they can trust the numbers that they're getting. And oftentimes, the, you know, sticker shock is, is a very real thing. So a, a lot of our products kind of center around um, a very delicate introductory into what you don't need to worry about anymore. Right, right, right. And then, and then the managed security service, is that is that something that is incorporated into Premier Care, or is it kind of a more full-blown managed service that could be kind of modular and stacked on top of somebody who's uh, already with you on Premier Care? Sure. It's funny you asked that because we actually just took a, we plucked an element out of our managed security services and added it to our Premier Care offering. So the answer to your, your question is um, yes to, to both. Um, we took the vulnerability assessment that happens when you become a managed security customer out of that. Um, not out of the service in general, but we, we basically took it out and added it to our Premier Care offering. So gotcha. when we onboard a Premier Care customer included in that per user price, we do a vulnerability scan and assessment during um, the onboarding process so that customer gets a list of their uh, vulnerabilities that we will either attack during the remediation process of our onboarding or set or give to them to you know and help them prioritize out those projects um, that need to take place. So we've tried to kind of we're trying to mesh the two together, but it's still very much a standalone module that we can also stack upon the Premier Care or the Select Care offering. Yeah, and I think there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I think that's that's uh, there's there's a lot of debate you know kind of I mean, in the MSP community today. Um, you know, just about you know all in versus modularity. Mm-hmm. And I think modularity wins. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but also, I mean, it's not a the, the false dichotomy is that it's not an either or thing. It's like Mm-mm. you can have uh, an all in service that kind of is the ninety percent of needs, but then there's all these other select requirements that mm-hmm. clients will have based upon their unique circumstances, their industry vertical, uh, the history of the firm. You know what what you know maybe what incidents they've been through in the past. Then you you want to have a more modular approach that you can actually customize the the service offering for them, without a uh, doubt, with the, with yeah. the modules. So. And it's and it's also about setting the proper expectations, um, because a lot of times you know Premier Care and Select Care those are day to day infrastructure needs, and if you follow the elements of Premier Care, which are you know antivirus, anti spam, um, you know those those elements are security elements. So yes, by engaging with a managed services provider, you are more secure, but it's not necessarily a managed security service. So part of our, you know, doing the vulnerability scan uh, as part of our Premier Care offering was also a way of setting the expectation that yes, this product will make you more secure. 
Um, but, you know, depending, like you said, depending upon your industry and the specific requirements you have, you, you may need more. You may right. need an actual managed security service. So a lot of what we do and how we, how we kind of craft our products is an attempt to educate our, our customers a little bit about but what they actually need. Great. And that's, uh, that's the easiest way to then, you know, put them in a position where they can buy it instead of having to be sold it. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, uh, excellent. So I think we're, we're we're just about out of time. So um, thank you very much, Liz, for sharing all these insights, and uh, congratulations again on winning the HDG Shark Tank competition. That was a lot of fun. It was. And, it was. And a great way to share, I think, um, you know, some of the wisdom and insights you've developed in your business um, with other MSP business owners who are really in need of a lot of this this information. So thank you very much for participating in that event and for sharing on today's. Uh, discussion. Hey, thank you. Thank you for being a judge. I know that was a lot, a lot of work and a lot of great ideas to sift through. So I appreciate it, and it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. And and definitely, at, at the risk of sounding sounding very cheesy, it was a, a group win on WinXNet. The fact that we've spent so long really trying to hone in and organize our target market and product offering um, was really kind of the cherry on top for that. So it was definitely a team effort. Well, great. Thank you very much for joining us today. Today, I was joined by Liz Riley, Vice President of Sales and Marketing at WinXNet, uh, headquartered in Portland, Maine. Um, this was Episode 20 of the eFolder Channel Chat Podcast. This is Ted Holsey, Vice President of Marketing at eFolder, and your host, signing off. See you next time, everybody.